What will transportation policy look like in the new Congress? Find out on this special edition of Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by my fellow BGov legislative analyst, Sarah Babbage. Hello. And transportation policy reporter, Sean Courtney. Hi. Democrats have just taken control of the House of Representatives, and it sounds like we're going to see a new direction at the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. Democrat Peter DeFazio of Oregon is the new chairman, and Republican Sam Graves of Missouri is now ranking member. Sean, you recently sat down with each representative, and we'll hear more from Graves in an upcoming episode, but today we're going to hear from DeFazio. What does he want to focus on as chairman? Infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. So it looks like this year we're going to be getting some sort of infrastructure bill. And he also wants to start looking at putting the seats in place to get a new surface transportation bill going. How confident is Representative DeFazio that he can move his priorities forward with a divided Congress and a Republican in the White House? I'd say he's moderately optimistic. He has had several conversations with White House officials and feels confident that the president does want to get infrastructure done. And he's hopeful that it can avoid the pitfalls of the border wall debate and other political issues that have in the past gotten in the way of infrastructure. You know, we started out our interview actually, though, talking about DeFazio's long road to the committee chairmanship. He's for the longest time been the the ranking Democrat, but he was in the minority. Well, thank you for having us here Mm -hmm. today and sitting down with me to talk a little bit about your plans and congratulations on officially being named the the chairman last last night, I think it was the announcement. Well, steering and policy has nominated me. The full caucus still needs to vote, but I'm pretty hopeful I don't have any opposition. <laughs> it's, it's all but a done deal. <laughs> yeah. 32 years as an apprentice, so. It's time for the big show. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> been training. Uh, right, well you've had plenty of time to think about what you want to do then, and I know you've, you've been talking about doing some sort of infrastructure proposal next year. I'm interested to hear, you know, if you see doing a separate infusion of infrastructure in addition to doing the surface transportation bill, do you think they are going to wind up being one because of the nature of a congressional schedule and a presidential no. cycle? Or No, I mean, the longer term authorization is going to have to be transformative. I mean, it's going to be very different. I can't even tell you in what ways, but that's going to require a lot of hearings, a lot of thought, and a much longer process. And that's a six-year bill. Mm. Uh, it's due on October 1st, 2020. But uh, I was just talking with uh, the majority, the incoming majority leader, and his schedule is he wants to have an infrastructure package uh, by the end of May. Okay. And, you know, obviously I, surface transportation would be the largest part of that. Hopefully uh, harbor maintenance. I'd like to do passenger facility charge. I told him I'd keep that separate because I'm going to have to fight with the airlines over that. Mm. You know, and in the same time, we would be working to flesh out the policy for the 2020 deadline, the October 1st. And, I mean, we're going to need to do green infrastructure. It's got to be resilient. You know, we've got to do a lot of research on ways to, I mean, I've read about concrete that absorbs carbon. You know, well, is it viable to use that? I've read about that you could put plates in the road that just move subtly when cars go over them and it operates a generator and generates electricity. Uh, I mean, you know, what can we do in transportation? It's the second largest sector that contributes to uh, carbon pollution. What can we do uh, to green that up in the, in the six-year bill? So. Uh, a lot of work there. Uh, there are other issues that are longer term, more mundane, detention time for truckers, 
uh, you know, there's a, a whole host of unresolved issues. Uh, you know, the Republicans like to talk in the White House about more streamlining, more streamlining. I say, well, you know, we did streamlining in MAP 21, and we did streamlining in the FAST Act, and you haven't even implemented all of it yet. We don't know how well it's going to work. Right. And I kept suggesting to Chairman Schuster that we bring down all the experts from DOT, like, what have you done? Okay, how's that working? What haven't you done? Why not? Uh, what else do you think you need to move projects along more efficiently, but not vitiating environmental laws? And, uh, and then, you know, go from there. So it's going to require a lot of uh, sit-downs, a lot of hearings, uh, you know, I would say travel around the country to, to see the issues. Yeah. I want to, you know, put new, more emphasis on the efficient movement of freight. Uh, I want to put a lot of emphasis on ending congestion. So we don't uh, waste 3.1 billion gallons of fuel in uh, idling. I mean, that's just like absurd. 3.1, we burned 3.1 billion gallons of fuel contributing to, to carbon pollution sitting in traffic. So what are the solutions to that? Uh, there's, I'm sure, things out there I don't even know about. Right, uh, right. You know, I've heard from a nephew who's an engineer about a, one of his friends who had developed a crowdsourcing app for traffic lights so that you don't sit there sit there and sit there when no one's coming down the other road. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, things like that that could really take and make the existing infrastructure much more efficient. So I want the, the build that we do on 2020 to be a, the real first 21st century uh, visionary transportation bill. It's take a lot of work. Okay. Well, so then in the short term, you imagine doing some more of an, uh, an infusion from the f of federal spending on infrastructure, but that's separate from some of those bigger ideas you had. Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned something about the, the PFC, which is the passenger facility mm -hmm. charge, which helps with airports. So you were saying you'd have to do that separately from the, the, the FAST Act, you know, well, well, and uh, infrastructure bill? Or? Well, remember, the FAST Act has my <laughs> provision that says any additional money allocated goes through the existing formulas and programs. Mm -hmm proportionally. I would, there's, we're going to make some minor tweaks. There's a few things I think need adjusting. Uh, we're discussing those now in an authorization, setting higher targets, and then send it over to Ways and Means. they got to fill in the money. Mm -hmm. uh, harbor maintenance tax, all we have to do is say we are going to spend the harbor maintenance tax on harbor maintenance, and we are going to spend down the segregated $10 billion balance that isn't supposed to be there. Uh, to deal with the backlog of work in our harbors. And then with the passenger facility charge, it's going to be a battle. The airlines say, if, if I'm successful and we charge another $2 uh, for you to have a more efficient uh, uh, way through security, to have a better airport experience, to have more gates, to not sit on the tarmac waiting for a gate, which happens to me all the time, and I'm sure it happens to a lot of other people. Good news, we've arrived early. Bad news, there's no gate. <laughs> right. And so they sit there idling the plane. You know, the, a lot of airlines have, they don't want more gates because they don't want potential competition and lower prices. Well, I think people would like competition and lower prices. Mm. So they have a lame excuse saying no one will ever fly again if, if I charge them another $2 to go into the airport, but they can charge you 50 bucks for your bag and you'll thank them. Right. Uh, so, so that's why I'm saying <clears throat> that is going to be, right now, all the business community is supporting an increase in investment and service transportation. Got it. Uh, I'm not aware of any opposition. There's only a dispute among the ports over how the additional money that we will spend to deal with our backlog uh, gets apportioned. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, let's get the money first. Right. And then in the next water resources bill, I will, we will come up with a fair formula for apportionment of the money. Mm -hmm. 
and but that's why I'm saying those two things are pretty non-controversial. I'd like to do something on wastewater. That's under our committee if we can figure out a way to fund it. And then, you know, but I would probably move the PSC separately. I don't know. It could be part of the package. It could not. We'll see what I can work out with the airlines and right. all the other people on the other side of the issue who would like to see more investment in airports. I've got airports that are gated out. I mean, Spokane talked to me. They said, we got airlines that want to come in here. We told them they can't come in. Mm -hmm. We got no place to put them. And we don't have any capacity right now uh, with our finances to build more gates. Denver did a very controversial privatization of the main terminal. Uh, the airlines really don't like it. And, but they did it because the airlines wouldn't let them get an increase in a passenger facility charge to build out the needed terminals out on the tarmac. So something's got to give here. Right. Well, so then what do you see doing within the first, you know, you're talking about buy something by May, you mm -hmm. want to have something together. So how do you see that coming together financially? I mean, obviously that's not just up mm -hmm. to you, but you've talked about doing some sort of bonding. You've also talked about doing like a, a nationwide like VMT pilot. Mm -hmm. I wonder like how do those all fit into um, your vision for what you'd be doing by, by May? Well, I've had various versions of funding. Uh, you know, I had a barrel tax that the Obama administration, according to Rahm Emanuel, agreed to and we're going to do in the lame duck. When we lost the House, it never happened. Uh, some states have done wholesale taxes. I think it's very attractive, but the oil industry hates it, so we probably can't get it done right now. So I said, okay, let's just uh, look at indexing the existing gas and diesel taxes, which haven't changed in 25 years and index them to average vehicle uh, economy and to construction cost inflation, cap the increase at one and a half cents a gallon a year. And I said, and I keep asking my colleagues, I say, any of you think you're gonna lose your election if gas goes up one and a half cents a gallon? Oh, by the way, every May, the, the industry raises gas like a nickel a day leading up to Memorial Day because it's the beginning of the driving season and oh, we're cleaning the refinery. Oh, we had a refinery fire. Oh, this, oh, that, you know. There are hurricanes in Florida. So, you know, people, I don't think that's, uh, and with that, we could bond over $500 billion with that projected increment. We'd look back every year and say, okay, what happened with, you know, with those two factors? and then assess, you know, then say, okay, here's how much more money we can allocate. And the estimates we have are that just doing what I'm proposing with bonding and indexing could raise uh, $33 billion a year, which means we fill in the $16 billion a year shortfall into the trust fund, and we have another $17 billion to deal with state of good repair. You know, transit needs $100 billion to be up to state of good repair, highways, you know, 40,000 bridges, et cetera, mm -hmm. but also begin to build out new options to get people out of congestion, more transit options, uh, and, and other things uh, with, the, with that $17 billion a year and projects of national and regional significance. Uh, so there's there's a lot to be done there. Right. Well, I mean, th so then how do you see the politics getting involved here, right? So you're just saying uh, you're not going to lose your re-election over one and a half cents. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was just talking to Senator Barrasso recently, and he was saying he's not interested in any kind of tax increase. And so are you looking to the White House to help with that? Do mm -hmm. you think that they're yes. going to be your, no, your this ally won't, on this? No, this won't get done. Uh, well, the president won't get to deliver on his promise of infrastructure investment and it won't get done without his help on revenues. So I, I don't know Wyoming, I mean, there's, there's only now like 18 states who haven't uh, raised, or even less than that, 16 I think, who haven't raised revenues for transportation infrastructure. I, I don't know if Wyoming is one of those states, but you know, uh, I, I, would, I would 
ask him to reconsider that position. And Senator Wicker indicated interest in a gas tax if the president, if the president supported it. Yeah. And Senator Carper supports it. And Senator Wyden has financing proposals. So, you know, we'll see. Okay. Uh, well, so then what happens? So we get to January. Uh, you know, what do you start doing? What do your staff start doing? If people want to be advocating for, for your proposal, um, what's their, you know, how do they start doing that? Who do they need to talk to for you? Well, first we have to find a hearing room. <laughs> right, I have heard that that's going to be a challenge. <laughs> yeah, my room is under construction for the next uh, three months or four months. The architect of the Capitol is not the most efficient. I I'm probably will be working out of the Capitol Convention Visitor Center. Well, I, I don't, what I intend to do is go out to them. You know, I want to go out uh, into the field and particularly travel to areas that are have big transportation needs, uh, travel to districts of members of the committee, and uh, hear from the public, uh, you know, what, what they need, what they want, and how they'd be willing to pay for it. And Earl Bloom and I, and I have talked about sort of doing this jointly, potentially, with mm -hmm. some people from Ways and Means, uh, you know, or him from Ways and Means, mm -hmm. so that we could uh, be approaching both sides of the issue. I mean, I can point to the needs, I can authorize a whole lot of spending, but they've got to deliver the money. It sounds like you have a busy new year ahead of you. Hopefully you don't spend too much time idling in either a car or, or a plane on a tarmac. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for having us here today. Sure. No, thanks. Enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. That was my interview with Representative Peter DeFazio, the new chairman of the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. Thanks, Sean. We'll be curious to see how his plans play out. Stay tuned for another special episode featuring Sean's interview with incoming transportation and infrastructure ranking member Sam Graves. For Sean Courtney and Sarah Babbage, I'm Adam Taylor, and thank you for listening to this special episode of Suspending the Rules.